We bow our heads and pray. Gracious God and Father, we thank you for the year that is passing. And we look forward to your grace and mercy in the year to come. Keep us and our loved ones and our entire congregation in the grace and knowledge and worship of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In his name, we pray and give thanks. Amen. When my daughters, Anna and Ivana, were in their teens, it was not often, but once in a while, they would be out late with their friends. And neither Harriet nor I could put ourselves to bed until those girls came through the front door. In fact, our front door was, was squeaky, the hinges were squeaky, and I, I told Harriet one day I was going to put some oil on those hinges, and she said, oh no, no, I, I, I need to hear when my daughters come home. Now, we didn't have to stay up late when they were out, but we did. Why? Well, because God has called us to be parents. And as parents, it's just our nature to be concerned for our daughters. We were only doing what parents do. I enjoy being inspired, and I love to listen to stories of Medal of Honor winners. They don't like to use the term winners. They don't seek the Medal of Honor. No one does. But it finds them. I remember being in the Air and Space Museum in D.C., and I had several hours to spend, and I spent most of that time in front of a video just watching Medal of Honor winners repeat their experiences. It's inspiring. But their common refrain is always this, I was just doing my job. I don't deserve any special recognition because I was doing what I was trained to do and what any other soldier, most any other soldier would have done in my situation. People enlist in the military because they love their country. But when they're on the battlefield, they put their lives on the line for their buddies. They do whatever it takes for the guy next to them. And the feeling's mutual, it's vice versa. Such devotion can only be the result of a relationship. You will go the extra mile above and beyond the call of duty, not for something, but for someone. That's true in our gospel lesson for this New Year's Eve. In our gospel reading this evening, Jesus commands us to be ever watchful, ever ready for his imminent return. The watchfulness, the vigilance, the readiness that he commands is not rare, it is not unusual behavior for us. It is typical of who we are. Watchfulness is in our nature. It's our natural response to who Jesus is. Roman numeral one in your sermon outline, Christian readiness 
And that should be its nature, not it nature, but its nature. Letter A, Jesus says, stay dressed for action. In the King James English, that's gird your loins. Cinch up your robe, hike your robe up. Men wore long robes back then. Everyone did. They were very modest, like we're not. (laughs) And when it was time to go to work, when it was time to move out, they would hike up their robe and cinch it up with a belt. Stay dressed for action, Jesus says, and that means the Lord's deliverance is near. When you cinch up your robe, it's good news. It means God is on the move, and you are on the move as well. And this goes back to the Exodus experience, Exodus chapter 12. The first time that people are told to cinch up their robes is that night when God is working out their deliverance from Egypt, that of the Israelites, to bring them to freedom, to make them a people. When God comes to deliver his people, he tells us, gird up your loins, be dressed for action because I'm coming. I'm coming to lead you out to safety. And if the Lord is coming to deliver you, why would you not want to be prepared? Why would you not want to wait for that? Letter B, Jesus also says, keep your lamps burning. And that suggests that readiness is 24-7. It is 24-7, 365, around-the-clock watchfulness. And let her see. Verses 36 and 37 describe servants as waiting and awake. And servants that are waiting and awake are those who remain at their posts. They're manning their position. They're doing the work that God has given them to do. So where are you posted? What is your job? What duty has the Lord graciously given to you? If you look in the small catechism, Luther's Table of Duties, He outlines this really well. These are described as holy orders and positions that are given and ordained by God. Those who preach the word and those who hear the word preached. Those who govern and those who are governed. Those who are parents and those who are parented. Luther gives scriptures, readings from God's word for each of these holy orders each of these positions ordained by God. To those who are husbands and those who are wives, to those who are employers and those who are employees, every one of these positions is a gift from God. And knowing that increases our respect for those positions, and it makes us more eager to remain at that posting. Parenting is a way of life. It's not a switch you turn on and off. Being a citizen is a way of life. Again, it's not a switch you turn on and off. Judy Bates of our congregation was called to glory 
a week ago. And when I heard about it, I developed a case of the if-onlys. <laughs> I thought about visiting her last week, but it was a busy week. I thought, well, I'll need to put that off. And after I heard of her going home to be with the Lord and how she went in the cold, falling down in her yard with her dog, tending to him, I thought of the butterfly effect. And I thought, you know, if I had been there to talk to her, I would have reminded her to be real careful in this cold. And, and maybe she would have remembered that. And maybe she wouldn't have slipped and fallen. Well, I'm not God, and I don't know what's going to happen, and I can't hold myself responsible for that knowledge that's not given to me. And it occurred to me, she died caring for her dog. I mean, her dog. Doesn't seem right. Now, why would God allow that? And then I thought, that dog was given to her by God to care for. That's her job. That's what she's being called by God to do, to care for Charlie, among other things. And she died that way, at her post. When you think of it in those terms, that's not so bad. Roman numeral two, Christian readiness, it's need, it's need. Letter A, we are tempted to fall asleep, and that's a euphemism for spiritual death. Falling asleep in the New Testament is not good. Jesus said in Mark 13, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back, whether in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. Now why would anyone want to be found that way? Asleep at their post. Evading their God-given responsibilities. Would you want to be found that way? Not me. And letter B, sleep results from weariness, laziness, or self-indulgence. And it's at this point the sinful nature whispers something like this. Can't I stray off the reservation once in a while? That's like a parent saying, can't I endanger my children's lives on occasion by neglecting my responsibilities just a little? Why would any parent want to do that? And should not Jesus mean more to you than your child? He should. Your child did not create you or redeem you. Jesus did. 
It reminds me of Joseph in the book of Genesis who, when tempted by Potiphar's wife, said, how can I do this thing and sin against God? The answer is, he couldn't. Nor can we. Roman numeral three. Christian readiness, its motivation. Letter A. He who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Neither slumber nor sleep. That's God. God does not fall asleep watching over you or me. Nor do those of us who are his, fall asleep at the post. It's not in us to forget him and what he did. Because, letter B, we believe in a master who serves us. That's unlike any other master, any other authority in this world. We believe in a master who serves us. Verse 37 of our gospel reading. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly I say to you, that means this is emphasis here. This is emphasis. He will dress himself for service and have them recline at table, and he will come and serve them. Now what master does that? What God does that? Not Allah. No one. None but Jesus. Jesus said to his disciples, the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, but I am among you as one who serves. His mercy endears us to him and him to us. And it renews our trust in him and it forms a bond with him that changes everything. In John 13, Jesus washes his disciples' feet. Again, totally out of character for anyone divine. But it's not out of character for the God whom we serve. He serves us. And that imagery of foot washing, that servant posture is an illustration of the ultimate service at the cross where he removes not dirt from our feet but sins from our lives all of them he forgives you more sins than you've got that's his mercy his mercy endures him to us. And let her see devotion to duty is ultimately personal. It's personal. People may join the military out of love for country, but they put their lives on the line for their friends, their fellow soldiers. And when they do, they say they're only doing their job and they're right. They're only doing what soldiers do. Devotion, such devotion, is not directed toward a thing, is directed toward someone. 
and that includes Jesus. Being watchful for Christ's return, remaining at your post as a husband, as a wife, as a parent, as a child, as an employer, as an employee, as a citizen, as one who governs, remaining at your post is not something we try to get out of. It's a way of life. It's just what we do. It's a life we've chosen. And knowing Jesus as we do, we would not choose another. In Jesus' name, amen. The peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.